A few days ago, I made a community post asking my subscribers to give me content suggestions, and the suggestion that stuck out to me the most was asking me to make a video on Michigan's weaknesses. And a guy by the name of Upbeat Productions is who made this suggestion, and it's intriguing to me because, as you all know, I think Michigan's the best team in the country entering 2023, and I've talked a lot of positive about them, and there are far more positives than negatives about this team, but every team has a weakness. Even the greatest teams of all time had their weak points. Not They didn't have necessarily bad points on their roster, or they had bad players, but there were parts of their team that were weaker than other parts. That's what a weakness is. It's the weakest link in the chain. Now, the weakest link in Michigan's chain or whether it's Ohio State's chain or Georgia's chain, those are my unanimous top three teams. I don't think anyone else is in that elite tier except for Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, maybe Alabama, maybe a team like LSU, or I think Washington's going to be a near-elite team this season, Utah, Penn State. Florida State, maybe Dabo Swinney can pull it together in year one with Garrett Riley and Cade Klubnick and go on a run like he did with Trevor Lawrence in 2018. I don't know. There are always a lot of teams who have a chance in theory to win the national championship at the beginning of every season, but Saturday by Saturday, they get knocked off and only four, for now, are allowed to compete for it at the end of the year. It'll obviously be expanded to 12 after 2024. But I think Michigan, Georgia, and Ohio State are the three teams in at least Tier 1. Maybe if you want to say Tier 1A and put Alabama, let's say, in Tier 1B, I think there's a valid argument for that. But anyway, the weakest link in Michigan's or Georgia's or Ohio State's chain might be such that because of the talent they have on their roster or the development and experience they have, the weakest link on Michigan's chain might be comparable to the strongest link on, let's say, Indiana's chain, for example. So a weakness, I just want to clarify that me saying this is a weakness of Michigan's or it could be does not mean this position group is destined to be horrible. That's not what I'm saying. Even when I talk about a team like Penn State or Wisconsin, who I think have many more questions and are not at the level of, let's say, Michigan or Ohio State, their weaknesses and their weak links are not horrible areas on the team. Penn State's interior O-line and interior defensive line are not great, but they're also not trash. If anything, they're closer to being good than bad. For ex That's just one example. Michigan's weakness, though, there aren't many. Whether you agree that Michigan has one weakness, two, or three, don't say zero. There's always a weak link in the chain. Nothing no human, no organization, no football team is perfect. We all are probably in agreement that there are few weaknesses that Michigan has. On the offensive line, they only returned two players, and guess what? They had a r good rotation at tackle last year with, you know, Trente Jones, Carson Barnhart, Ryan Hayes is off to the NFL, but, you know, Zach Zinner, Trevor Keegan at guard, they had some injuries there, but they return. Center, Olgusen Aluatimi leaves, but Drake Nugent comes in. Ladarius Henderson comes at the opposite side of tackle. And then there's Miles Hinton, who was 
Drake Nugent's teammate at Stanford, who's also coming in. And you have guys like Giovanni El Hadi and Raheem Anderson on the interior of that O-line, too. Even with departures at O-line, it should be one of the nation's best offensive lines yet again. And I actually have a somewhat controversial opinion that this will be the best offensive line. It's going to be even better than last year, partially because I think they'll actually perform at an elite level in the postseason. Whether they perform at the same level of 2022s in the regular season is yet to be seen. But the offensive line returns a lot of guys, and they use the transfer portal well, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan did, to get players in. Wide receiver, Ronnie Bell goes to the NFL, but Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson both elected to return for their final seasons. And you got guys like Tyler Morris, Christian Dixon, Peyton O'Leary, and Darius Clemens, who are all sophomores or redshirt sophomores or younger, along with freshman Frederick Moore and Samaj Morgan, who are capable playmakers. Wide receiver has traditionally been one of the weaknesses of the Jim Harbaugh era, whether it's in overall talent or whether it's in utilizing that talent, a.k.a. Donovan Peoples-Jones being turned into a fifth or sixth round pick, and he's doing well in Cleveland, which just shows you that, look, I don't even want to talk about Jim Harbaugh pre-2021. Let's move on. As I've probably spoiled in saying that wide receiver, I think, could be one of the weaknesses this season— but Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson are great players in their own right. Cornelius Johnson showed up big time against Ohio State last year, and Roman Wilson was a factor in the playoff game, and he's a he's in like I think the top ten or tenth percentile, however you say that, of wide receivers when it comes to speed, especially his forty time. He's a very fast athletic player. Tight end Luke Schoonmaker leaves, and Eric all transferred out. That could be another area to watch. But Colston Loveland exploded in 2022, having 16 receptions for 235 yards and two receiving touchdowns with a long of 45 against Ohio State. And backing him up is A.J. Barner, who transferred in from Indiana. Jack Tuttle also transferred from Indiana at quarterback, but J.J. McCarthy returns Quarterback could actually be one of the strengths of this Michigan offense, and running back we don't even have to go over with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards returning. Defensively, on the D-line, Mozzie Smith and Mike Morris leave. Chris Jenkins and Jalen Harrell return, though. Mason Graham, who was a true freshman last year, stepped up big time and should start this season, along with Braden McGregor, who's been waiting at defensive end He's had a few good games, he's been in the rotation, but this will be his first year starting. And don't forget about Derek Moore and Josiah Stewart at edge as well. Linebacker with Junior Colson, Michael Barrett, and Ernst Hausman, who transferred in from Nebraska, should be deep. Secondary, only lost DJ Turner. Rod Moore, Makari Page, Will Johnson, Mike Sandra still, all of these players got playing time last season in a variety of forms. However, the cornerback spot opposite of Will Johnson was, that was an area that was intriguing, to say the least. Jaden McBurrows and Amorian Walker were competing for the starting job. Walker looked bad in the spring game. We then assumed Jaden McBurrows would start, but Josh Wallace, a transfer coming in from UMass, where Don Brown is currently the head coach, ironically enough, He's coming to help Michigan, where he looks to be starting, according to rlads.com. 
he will be here for one year just helping out at that opposite corner spot, which I thought was a great addition. By going over that depth chart, I just wanted to establish that this team is deep everywhere. So again, reinforcing that me talking about Michigan's weaknesses isn't saying that there are areas on this team that are bad. I think that there are areas on this team from the range of at minimum good to at most elite, potentially generational when it comes to talent. But good, when good matches up against elite, elite will beat it every single time. We saw this against Georgia when Michigan and Georgia played in the Orange Bowl, and Georgia was elite and Michigan was just great, and Georgia stopped them. So what I want to do is go over, really, as you can tell, the wide receiver room, corner, and I would straight up say postseason preparation. I couldn't find enough weaknesses on the roster, so I had to go into the coaching staff and Jim Harbaugh himself. And now that he's beaten Ohio State two years in a row, he beat Michigan State last year and has a 500 record against them, which isn't really impressive, but I think a bigger glaring concern is his 1-6 record in postseason games. In bowls, in college football playoff appearances, it's not good. And wide receiver and corner, whether it's wide receiver because of what's happened historically and the fact that Michigan doesn't enjoy utilizing its passing game as well as it could, or corner because that spot that is on the other side of Will Johnson, that's a real concern. Josh Wallace is coming in from a what is basically a completely different division of college football. Playing at UMass and against teams similar to UMass is not similar to playing against Big Ten teams and playing with Michigan. So I'm going to go over those. And let's just start off with wide receiver, I would say. What are some areas of concern? We'll get to postseason play and especially focus on that because, let's face it, Georgia was probably an an excusable loss. Michigan just was not ready to face that team. Still losing 34-11 to I think is acceptable, but I don't see many outcomes where Michigan wins that game. Plays it closer, sure, but wins, no. But last year against TCU, 2019 against Alabama, 2018 against Florida, 2017 against South Carolina, and 2016 versus Florida State, all those bowl losses, except the one to Georgia, I think were pretty... They are unfathomable, given the level of talent that Michigan has, the level of resources, and what, at the time, the perceived level of coaching. In all of those games, every one of those losses, except for maybe the game against Florida State when Jimbo Fisher was the head coach, Jim Harbaugh would have been perceived as the superior head coach. Michigan was favored in most of those matchups. Again, except the Georgia game, Michigan was a favorite. And they lost every single one of them. But we'll dive into that in a few minutes. At receiver, whether this is wide receiver, but you can also include tight end because Luke Schoonmaker was a great tight end, great player. The Wolverines lost Ronnie Bell and Schoonmaker to the NFL, the leading wide receivers and tight ends. So we already talked about Colston Loveland, but who can step up? Who can step up to replace Ronnie Bell? There's Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson. Johnson was third on the team in receptions with 32. Roman Wilson was fourth with 25. 
Cornelius Johnson had 499 receiving yards and six receiving touchdowns last year. Roman Wilson had 376 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns. By comparison, Ronnie Bell had 62 receptions for 889 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns. So Michigan's probably going to pass just a little bit more this year than last year, just because, in my opinion, it's kind of like a why not thing. McCarthy's going to be better. He's going to be more accurate. And even if Michigan doesn't pass more, I anticipate McCarthy will be more accurate with the ball, especially the deep ball. So that means more passing yards and more receptions, even if it is on fewer passing attempts overall. So 62 receptions, that's going to be split between Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson for the most part. Darius Clemens, who only had one reception last year for seven yards, should also get 20 receptions or more, potentially 30 or more. But the guy who I would say to replace Ronnie Bell, it's hard to choose between Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson. I think Roman Wilson has a higher upside, but Cornelius Johnson has been the more consistent player. Ten touchdowns combined between the two is impressive, especially for a Michigan offense that only passed for 3,000 yards in 14 games, and that was outside of the top 70 in passing yards per game. They were efficient in the pass. McCarthy had a 155 passer rating and nearly a top 15 QBR, but Michigan didn't like to pass the ball. Very run-heavy team, one of the most run-heavy Power 5 teams. I think maybe the most run-heavy Power 5 team, though I'd have to double-check that. They were certainly top 10 in the FBS there. So who can step up and replace Ronnie Bell? Because he was consistent, and he's a great player. That's why he was drafted and one of the only Michigan wide receivers to be drafted under Jim Harbaugh. The others being Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and maybe a handful more. But that's why he was one of the few, because he was consistent. And he started out at Michigan as a walk-on, I believe, and hopefully he has success with the 49ers. Luke Schoonmaker was drafted by the Cowboys. Schoonmaker was a good player. Colston Loveland, because of him, I'm less concerned about tight end than I am wide receiver. I believe that Michigan will use their tight ends with Loveland and Barner, and I think that Michigan's tight end duo is going to be one of the better tight end duos in the Big Ten, which with Iowa and Minnesota existing, that certainly says a lot. And don't forget about Michigan State or even Ohio State tight end either, and Penn State, and even Maryland. The Big Ten's going to be very strong at tight end this season, which says a lot about Michigan's tight end room. And then there's cornerback. Amorian Walker looked bad in the spring game, and Josh Wallace transferred in, and I think he's going to be close to an all-Big Ten, close to an all-Big Ten caliber corner. I'd probably put him honorable mention or just leave him out, barely. Michigan will still miss DJ Turner. He was one of the fastest players at the Combine, talented player, probably wasn't used exactly in a correct way, but even with sometimes him struggling in coverage, and not being the best corner on the team, I would certainly rather have him returning than having Josh Wallace opposite of Will Johnson. With corner, even though it has the chance to for that one spot to be bad and a huge liability for the team, when there's Will Johnson, who could be an All-American corner, and I think will be the Big Ten's best corner, and then you got Makari Page, Rod Moore at safety, 
which should be the best safety room in the Big Ten, and Mike Sandra still at Nickelback, that's a very secure secondary. And there really is only one spot to be concerned about on that secondary, and that's corner. 80% of the secondary is elite. We just have to figure out if the other 20% is great. I don't think Josh Wallace, Jaden McBurrows, Oromori, and Walker can be elite. Out of all those three, the best chance would be Josh Wallace, but great for 20% and elite for 80%. You round that up, that's an elite secondary room. Might be the best secondary room in the country if Josh Wallace is great, and I think he will be great, and I think Michigan's secondary will be the strength of this team. So the corner spot is crucial in saying that because depending on how Josh Wallace plays, Michigan will either have the number one secondary in the country or it will be a secondary where if you have correct matchups, you can, I don't know, pick apart the defense. I'm leaning, of course, toward the former. I think Michigan will have the number one secondary in college football, but we're talking about weaknesses. We're talking about the potential of Michigan, whether it's the highs or the lows. Let's talk about the thing that racks my nerves the most. Receiver, I'm pretty comfortable with. I'm even more comfortable with cornerback, though I will say cornerback, if it doesn't go well, is has the potential to be disastrous, whereas wide receiver, tight end, Michigan likes to rely on their run game anyway. So if the wide receiver room gets worse, well, Michigan's O-line and running back room and quarterback should be better. So that probably won't matter as much as a bad corner spot. Postseason preparation is a whole different animal to talk about. Scary. What's scary is Jim Harbaugh is a stunning, lots of sarcasm there, 0-6 in bowl games since winning the Citrus Bowl against a Jim McElwain-led Florida team in 2015. It's very disappointing. And in fact, looking at the TCU game last year, it's excruciatingly painful. It's painful. The TCU game last year, I straight out came and out and said that I think Michigan would win by like maybe 30 points, like 20 to 30 points. And they should have. And in many different realities, they would have. Michigan played its worst game of the season. I don't care what anyone says against TCU. Ohio State had a much better offense than TCU. And then somehow Michigan goes on the road and holds Ohio State's offense to 23 points, and they allow 51 to TCU. We all know that Ohio State matched up with TCU would have beaten them by 50, maybe 40, because their defense was especially secondary, matching up with a good TCU wide receiver core. Their secondary and defense were much worse with George than Georgia's, which would have played to TCU's advantage. But nonetheless, if Ohio State wins the Peach Bowl, they walk all over TCU. That game was unacceptable, but it was also the embodiment of a problem that has been plaguing Jim Harbaugh in Michigan for years, postseason preparation. Against TCU, Michigan led in TOP by five minutes, led in first downs by six, had an equal turnover margin, forced three turnovers, allowed three turnovers, and they outgained TCU by 40 yards. You read those stat lines, initially, and you think, wow, TCU probably covered the spread, or they did better than a lot of people predicted, but Michigan maybe came out on top, or maybe they did one of their comebacks. Well, Michigan almost had a comeback. 
they won the second half like they did against every team throughout the year, minus maybe Illinois, but TCU got enough of a first-half lead and played competently enough in the second half to avoid choking away what was a 15-point lead at the half. Michigan, Michigan kicked three field goals, and they did not do all too well in the red zone, fumbling on the like six-inch line with Kalel Mullings. Michigan threw two pick sixes, and Michigan's offensive line looked gassed. They looked unprepared for TCU's defense and blitz packages. Michigan's defense looked unprepared for TCU. TCU rarely beat Michigan deep, by the way. They rarely targeted Michigan's secondary, and when they did, sometimes it resulted in turnovers themselves. It was mainly Michigan in the trenches where the most disappointing result was. Max Duggan did not even complete 50% of his passes, yet because of a great ground performance by TCU, they ran all over Michigan and were able to control the game just enough, again, to avoid Michigan from coming back. TCU scored 30 points in the second half. Michigan's offense scored 39 in the second half. So Michigan came alive in the second half, and Michigan still showed in that semifinal they were one of the nation's better teams, potentially still the nation's best second-half team, but TCU came out, they out-physicaled Michigan in the trenches, and Sonny Dykes out-coached Jim Harbaugh. And that's an issue, because if I'm picking my team to win the national championship, what I'm basically telling you is that Michigan's learned its lesson about Ohio State, they've learned their lesson about winning big games outside of Ohio State, beating Penn State last year, beating Penn State on the road in 2021, and winning the Big Ten championship games. And now I think they're going to continue to learn their lessons, continue to improve, and they'll learn their lesson about postseason play. But postseason play is postseason play. And sometimes it's very unpredictable. And that's where I can confidently say that that is at best an educated guess. And we won't know until that Saturday comes, whether Saturday or Friday, whenever they play the New Year's Six Bowls, New Year's Day, most likely. Whenever that day comes, that's when we'll know. I can make a prediction, but that's just a prediction. And it's a prediction that holds less weight to it than my predictions about the regular season, because we know when the regular season matchups will be. We know who they will be against. We don't know that for the playoffs yet. Michigan could face Georgia again, which would not be to my liking because Georgia matches up with Michigan well. They could face off against, I don't know, Texas, USC, which Michigan would beat USC by 30. I I could pick that blindfolded just given the fact that Lincoln Riley's defenses weren't, look, just haven't been good for ages. But even then, postseason preparation is a, that's a, area where Michigan has a very poor reputation. And even what I just said about Lincoln Riley and his defense and USC facing off against Michigan, there would be a part of me in the back of my head that wouldn't be so confident. And that might be a little more conservative about picking Michigan to win big against a defense that is weak. But TCU's defense last year, it wasn't special. In fact, it was a lot like USC's defense, just better. It was a better edition of USC's defense that had a lot better secondary play 
and that could occasionally get stops. They didn't only have to rely on turnovers and, and sacks to hold you under 40. TCU's defense, for example, held Texas to under 10 offensive points. They held Texas's offense to a field goal, for example. My opinion is wide receiver will be great with Roman Wilson, Darius Clemens, and Cornelius Johnson. I think J.J. McCarthy's passing for over 3,000 yards this season, his yards per attempt, and his completion percentage and his passing touchdowns will go up, not just because of his own improvement, but also because the wide receiver room will at least stay the same or improve compared to last year's wide receiver room. Tight end will have an elite starter in Colston Loveland and a good backup in A.J. Barner. And A.J. Barner came from Indiana. He had two receiving touchdowns and over 100 receiving yards with the Hoosiers. Indiana hit quarterback and offensively was just in a terrible spot last season. And I think it will be similar again this year. So A.J. Barner's going to have a better supporting cast and a much better quarterback to throw him the ball. However, despite the wide receivers being great, like I said earlier in the video... It is weak in comparison with Michigan's entire roster. Offensive line, quarterback, and running back are much deeper and have performed at a higher level than the wide receiver core has, and they will do again in 2023. Tight end, I'm not exactly sure, but we'll have to see exactly. But I think with tight end, only having one or sometimes two tight ends on the field as opposed to three or four wide receivers, tight end is less to be concerned about in general than wide receivers. They are versatile, and there is a place for tight ends in college football, and Georgia, South Carolina, now Florida State with Jaheim Bell. There are some elite tight ends, some players where you build your offense around those tight ends, like Georgia, for example. Michigan isn't that. So even if tight end regresses, as long as they can block and catch, and especially as long as Colston Loveland is good, we'll have to see who and what A.J. Barner is, but Michigan's offense will be great. I think they'll be one of the best offenses in the country. They'll be even better at running the football than they were last year if Donovan Edwards can remain healthy. The cornerback spot opposite of Will Johnson has questions, but it should produce great play. I expect Josh Wallace to be a great corner and Michigan's secondary to be elite. But I want to mention that if corner does turn out to not produce at a good or great level, it could be a major liability. Imagine a mediocre Michigan corner. All four of the other defensive backs are playing phenomenally, but let's just say that Brian Hartline figures out a way to match up Marvin Harrison Jr. with, let's just say, whether it's Josh... Um, Wallace, Amorian Walker, or Jaden McBurrows, and they played a mediocre level. That will be a liability against a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., where you will get torched, you will get torched, you will get torched, you'll have to change around the defensive scheme, which can open up, it can open up anything, it, really. So, corner, that's an area where if you're a Michigan fan, that's the one out of all these things, outside of maybe postseason preparation, that you want, you want assurance. You want assurance that that is a that that that's safe. That corner will have great play all around, not just elite play with Will Johnson, but great on his opposite side. Because if corner's a liability, 
And if Penn State's offense is even better than I think it will be, and if Ohio State just does what the Ohio State Buckeyes do, and the other corner spot is bad, postseason play might be irrelevant. Might be totally irrelevant. If Michigan goes 10-2, and they're not reaching the college football playoff. Even if they pull in Alabama and both of their losses are by, like, a point. They're not reaching the college football playoff unless maximum chaos happens with the 10-2 and record. Possibly even with an 11-1 record. If Ohio State goes undefeated, Michigan's season ends with a loss, and enough teams win their conference championship games with one loss, Michigan might get the, the number 5 or number 6 ranking in the final college football playoff rankings. So that corner spot is very important. It's, it's critical. It's crucial. And defensive line, that's another area where there are key players lost, but much like the offensive line, Michigan got out, went into the portal to get Josiah Stewart, and Mason Graham and Braden McGregor, they played well last year in the times where they got snaps. And for the offensive line, we already know incoming transfers, and Drake Nugent was top eight according to PFF as a center, ranked lower than that according to 24-7 Sports, where he just received a 90 I think he'll be developed, though, by Sharon Moore into the Big Ten's best center, potentially the nation's best center, up there with guys like Cedric Van Pran, who's the starting center at Georgia. Only time will tell, though, like I said, if Michigan's postseason preparation improves or if it's unchanged. You'll figure out, though, very quickly. Michigan, just with the sheer talent and returning production they have, might be able to get away with not having good preparation and winning their semifinal game. They almost did that last year against TCU. They almost came back. If McCarthy just doesn't throw a pick six, or if Kalal Mullings just doesn't fumble the ball, that's one change. That's only one mistake out of like the 20 that Michigan made. Michigan only makes 19 mistakes instead of 20, and they beat TCU, but I'm telling you, they probably don't beat Georgia last year. Georgia probably beats Michigan seven, eight, nine times out of ten. Michigan, they might be able to get away with it in the semifinal, but I want this team to win it all, and I believe that this team will win it all. If they're going to follow that premise, if they're going to, they have to change their preparation, and supposedly they're working on that with the the beat Georgia drill. In Michigan, they instituted the beat Ohio State drill, and that's worked out, but We'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Michigan is a team that they return a lot. They have experience. They have one of the best staffs in the country when it comes to developing players. But they also don't have the star talent of Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. And if I told you otherwise, I would be biased beyond belief. But I'm not. So I'm here to tell you that Michigan has a lot of strengths. But they do also have some weaknesses. And postseason preparation is an area. Overall talent, their blue-chip ratio is weaker than Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. And the corner spot and wide receiver, that's an area to watch for. Those could be weaknesses. Corner could be a crippling liability against elite teams. That's all I have to say in this video, though. And thank you guys so much for watching this video. And thank you, Upbeat Productions, for recommending this. I had a lot of fun making it. Comment your thoughts down below and tell me if you think Michigan has any other weaknesses that I missed or if you disagree with my assessment. Make sure to subscribe to the channel, like this video, and comment your thoughts down below, and also hit the notification bell. 
Thank you guys for watching, and if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to follow the channel. Have a great day.